there is a bone in Gilead to make the wounded my words, O Lord, consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice, in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness, evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes, you hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord, you cover him with favor as with a shield. Psalm 5. All right, welcome everybody to another rousing episode of Balm and Gilead. I am Brian. And I'm Grant. I had and, to rouse it up there. Yeah, yeah, it was rousing. Up. I did. Uh, yeah. And so, it was uh, best rousing. It is. This episode <laughs> is going to be very interesting in that. We are recording on a uh, on a Friday, and we will air it on Monday. That will be the, I think, fewest amount of days in between recording and and actually uh, publishing than any of our other episodes were. So anything we say is current, as opposed to uh, what? Some, of our, some of our episodes where we were <laughs> not current. Come on, we are we are the most current thing out there. We are we are more current than the Daily News. That is probably not true okay um, fine yeah i did want to uh <laughs> say something about our our last episode when we originally aired it we only aired half of the episode we have fixed the file so if you listened to it and only heard half of the episode you can go back and listen to the rest of it uh, yes thank you to sharp-eared listener brad banhoff yes yes he did point that out to us and uh and we do thank you. Um, 
So that said, uh, we are going to move into uh, an interesting segment as the year wraps up. Uh, Spotify will be sending you your list of songs that you listen to. I guess you can explain this better. I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, you have Spotify too, uh, and I'm sure they sent you a list as well. And everybody is sharing these on their social media profiles. I know I've seen much too many of them, and everybody thinks that everybody else cares about theirs. Um, So I'm going to do the same thing, uh, because I know you all are waiting with bated breath to figure out what your hosts listen to uh, from day to day. And I got to say, we only have the regular Spotify account. We do not. We did not spring for the family account, which means that my kids have ruined my playlist. Oh, Um, yes. Yeah. So my number one artist, I mean, let's just get this out of the way. Amy Grant. Well, her last name is very similar to your first name. Very similar. Yeah. I've heard it said that uh, the name Grant as a last name sounds very similar to Grant as a first name when it's pronounced slightly differently, of course, but uh, very similar. Um, I will say uh, they did not pollute the entire list though. Uh, I did not listen to much Amy Grant myself. So there's plenty of news. Uh, except what I there. overheard from the kitchen where they, you know what? I love my children, but for some reason I came home one day Everybody was upstairs. Nobody was downstairs near our smart speaker device thing. And I Love Cookies is on infinite repeat playing <laughs> for nobody. And it's just, ah, uh, I, I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, rounding out the top five, though, are New Hope Oahu, Shane and Shane, Adam Young, and George Winston. So uh, not not bad for the other... The other four on the list there, uh, but we did spend twenty six thousand nine hundred fifty two minutes listening to music this past year. Apparently, that is impressive. And I will say that thanks to my children, the top songs, all five of them, are from the very same Amy Grant album. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so, yeah. would you like to know? Uh, how my tastes have changed over the past decade. Yeah. So they also run the stats for the past decade. Amy Grant only manages to crack the top five barely. She she uh, sneaks in at number three, actually. Okay. Um, so that should give you a picture of how much my children have loved listening to Amy Grant over the past year uh if they only started really listening when we got premium and so in the last what six months or so amy grant has shot from nearly nothing to an overwhelming majority but uh i will say um marcus warner a uh, very young composer i think he's like 19 or 20 uh is my top artist He, he came out with some pretty good albums i was surprised to see he was the top but uh, number two is going to interest you it was actually bethel music can you believe Interesting. that yeah uh followed by amy grant 
New Hope Oahu, and then Sovereign Grace um, music was was the number five. So, you know, it's um, it's different. So I thought I'd share that. Maybe you can laugh along with me, and uh, maybe we can figure out how to try and afford one of those uh, family accounts. Is is, yeah. is that how they do it? I, I Where guess. your kids can have their very own um, set of uh, playlists and whatnot. Yeah, I, I will admit and say uh, I am not a, a, a daily Spotify user. Mm-hmm. I I had a desk job uh, at one point uh, for a couple years ago where I listened to quite a bit of Spotify, uh, but I also listened to quite a bit of audiobooks and podcasts during that time as well. And so I I, I would listen to Spotify every once in a while. I imagine. That if I listen, if I looked at my list, I would have a lot of uh, Imagine Dragons and uh, and Lumineers because I went through a pretty big Imagine Dragons and Lumineers kick during that time. Uh, but if I had to just say what music I listen to in general, it would probably uh, fall into three main categories. The first would be Switchfoot as a category because I have all 11 of their albums plus all of their EPs plus everything else that they've ever released and listened to quite frequently. Super Um, fan. Super fan. And uh, the others would be children music, usually children Bible memory verse music. Um, Major bands include Slugs and Bugs. Highly. Yeah. Highly recommend Slugs and Bugs. Uh, also, Rain for Roots. Um, and just to explain these, Slugs and Bugs is a guy named Randall Goodgame. Uh, he got his start writing Silly Songs for Larry uh, alongside Andrew Peterson, who's actually kind of gone on to be a little more famous. So Andrew Peterson and Randall Goodgame are good friends. They started working with Phil Vischer writing Silly Songs for Larry. Uh, Slugs and Bugs has uh, a lot of good, silly songs that are Bible memory songs. Uh, Rain for Roots is uh, Sandra McCracken and um, some of, I guess, some of her friends. And they write, they're not really Bible memory. They're kind of Bible story songs, but they're still really good. Um, That's awesome. Seeds Family Worship is another big one. They've they kind of pump out a lot of music, and so some of their early albums are really good, and some of their later ones just feel like they're just pumping out music. But uh, some of their early early ones were really really good. Uh, so listen to this. Uh, so listen to a lot of kids music, listen to a lot of Switchfoot, and then I'd say various. Uh, so we'll I'll probably talk more about that as the episode goes on. But if I had an accurate, uh, an accurate report of what music I listened to, that would, that would probably be last decade for sure. Man, once kids enter the picture. Yeah. Because my oldest is eight. Yeah. And, and so a decade ago, I didn't have kids. That was a completely different life. So, we were uh, living the kid life at that time. We had two. Yeah. We just had Annika. Yeah. So pretty wild. But um, it's crazy how your life 
changes in 10 years. Yeah, and then in a decade, who knows? I don't want to think about it. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, anyway, I think we need to get to our show. Uh, What do we have on tap today? All right, so what we are going to talk about today, and this is something that I had planned out early on when I listed all the topics. Uh, The topic for today is going to be um, the five different types of songs. Uh, I originally had planned on this episode being the episode where I introduce the concept of the five types of songs, but uh, we've talked about it quite a bit already. Uh, Well, it's a pretty important concept that's key to what we're trying to do here, I think. Right. Yeah, I'd say it kind of, it's kind of like the idea of um, the, when you're talking about systematic theology and you're talking about the doctrine of God and the doctrine of the revelation of God, it's it's hard to uh, talk about one of them before you talk about the other because they kind of go hand in hand. Right. You, you can't know anything about God until you know about how he reveals himself to you through his word. And But if you don't know who God is, then his word means nothing. So kind of go hand in hand so uh in this episode i think we're just going to uh go as deep as we can into each of these categories talk about how things have changed uh, in my uh, perception and also where i think things are going and where i think uh, things should go um as far as all of these are concerned uh also got some stories for you and some uh just some song recommendations as well as song unrecommendations, I guess. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, so uh, the first, uh, first, uh, I guess we could talk about song type zero. This was something that was uh, recommended uh, in our, in the Slack channel. Uh, song type zero would be the Psalms. Uh, these though were not written by men, they were penned by men, but they were written by God. And so they kind of fall into their own category. All of the other five are all songs that were uninspired by God, written by men. Um, and since type one is songs written for church, for congregational worship, the Psalms were also written for church, for congregational worship, but they were written by God, therefore they don't have a place on this list because this list is specifically referring to songs written by men. So that was a distinction that I felt like I needed to make um, just because the Psalms don't need to be vetted because they were written by God. And this list is kind of help you understand where you need to start your vetting process when you're listening through songs critically. Um, so yeah, so that was a, something that was pointed out. So jumping yeah, in important consideration for our EP friends, but yes. also just, um, I don't know. I think, I think you're right. Yeah. It, it's, it's like, we want to definitely mention them here, but we're not critically looking at them like we do, man-made songs right and uh, just uh ep is exclusive psalmody uh, i know that a lot I'm of people sorry. would yes. hear it would think that i just wanted to yeah anyway while we don't look at the psalms critically uh, to 
uh, critic or, or to necessarily like poke holes in them. Of course not. But we do want to look to the Psalms and pick them apart from a a trying to learn and trying to grow and trying to understand God point of view. Uh, yeah. And so that's just one one distinction I wanted to draw real quick. Yeah, like reverse engineering the Psalms. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I agree with that or not, but um, I probably do. It just, I never heard it said that way. Yeah. If you're saying it, Brian, I trust you. <laughs> well, that's it's just uh, something that, that I was thinking about as you're talking about uh, analyzing them. You know, I, I believe in uh, the sufficiency of Scripture, that Scripture alone gives us everything that we need to know about God and to worship God. And so I know one of the arguments for exclusive psalmody is if the Scripture is sufficient, then the Psalms are the sufficient songbook. Um, and so my distinction is I believe that these Psalms are the sufficient guide for writing music. Um, and so that is a very different distinction, but that's, that's how I understand the Psalms. I, I understand them to be the guide to writing music. And so if you're going to use them as a guide, you need to know how to reverse engineer them, how to, um, see how they're structured, what, uh, content they have. And, uh, and that is an incredibly important aspect of understanding the Psalms and understanding how to, how to write music for the congregation that is God honoring. Because if you ignore the Psalms, then you're going to uh, write grace, gracefully graces me. Yeah, for sure. I don't know, man. I'm still trying to figure that out. I don't have anything exciting to say, I guess, there for you. But that's why we're, that's why we're, I'm doing this podcast, because I'm trying yeah. to figure all that out. And so uh, I'll have to think about that. Yeah, and, that, and that's fine. And, and, I mean, reverse engineering might not be the best term. That was just one that I think we can, uh, we can hear and kind of understand. And, and I also don't want to say that, we as humans have the ability to write perfect songs or that somehow oh. in analyzing the Psalms, we can somehow create something that's authoritative with a capital a meaning that any song that I write, uh, can be held up to scripture with the same power of God speaking. That is not something that we as humans can do. Um, and so I, I do want to make that distinction that there's no way, there's no formula that we can get from the Psalms to be able to write something that is authoritative like the Psalms are. Yeah, no, that's a great clarification for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I definitely don't believe that, you know, yeah. <laughs> like I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah. And, and, uh, it's important to understand, uh, the authority of scripture in this, in that I know a lot of people, they hear Christian music on the radio and they think uh, whether or not they would voice it in the same way, they, they think, you know, since this is Christian, I can trust it. And, uh, and what you're saying then is you believe it has authority. And, uh, and so that's something that I think all people, all Christians, in the uh, we, we should all 
stop thinking that way. That a Christian song is not authoritative. We shouldn't just trust its authority because it says that it's a Christian song. Um, and and that's another important distinction to make uh, going through this list of, uh, of five songs. Yeah, absolutely. So you have the Psalms. We've uh, kind of talked about that a little bit, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that as the, the uh, episodes march onward. Mm-hmm. But what about the rest of them? You're right. And so, uh, so type one is a song that is uh, written specifically for congregational worship. So are we talking like hymns here or something else? Hymns would fall into that. Um, And, you know, there's modern hymns like In Christ Alone or like you you mentioned Sovereign Grace. They write a lot of modern hymns as well. But uh, also, you know, praise songs like Chris Tomlin uh, writes songs specifically to be sung in church. Uh, I mean, even... Looking at you know Hillsong and Bethel and Elevation, uh, I think first and foremost they write songs to be sung in the congregation. That is the that is what they're writing for originally. They're they're songs meant to be sung in the church. To they're meant to honor God. Whether they honor God or not is a different distinction. But they're these songs are being written to honor God. Um, and okay so it has more to do with the intention with the intention uh, the intentional purpose of the song rather than the actual uh even the use of the song maybe absolutely okay yeah so that that's that is a a distinction that i want to make yeah this type one is songs intended to be sung in church type two on the other hand are songs that are intended for um enjoyment uh, for Christians, they are songs by Christians for Christians, meant to be enjoyed, uh, meant for entertainment, uh, you know, meant for radio play, you know, meant just for to be performed live at a concert, um, and so there is a very important distinction between type one and type two. It doesn't mean that type two can't be uh be meant for worship it just isn't meant for congregational worship it could be meant for private worship but it could also not be meant for worship uh okay uh and so there might need to be a distinction made between those two particular type of songs like it's a song meant for private worship versus a song meant for pure entertainment um and those could be subcategories of type two 2.1, 2.2. 2.1, 2.2. 2.1, 2.2. And, and each one of these categories could be subdivided uh, to infinity. And so you got to draw <laughs> the line. I got to draw the line oh, okay. somewhere. And, and so that is, you know, something that we can, we can talk about uh, this episode as well, see where that goes. But um, the distinction between type one and type two is the intention. Is it intended for congregational worship or is it just intended to, um, for the believers to hear and either enjoy or and uh, you can enjoy God by worshiping him privately. That is also something I want to, to talk about a little bit. You know, the question one in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, you know, man's chief end, 
is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And we can enjoy him while we worship him. That is absolutely something that is, that is a truth. Um, I think a lot of times we want to separate the two. Like we can't enjoy, like we can't worship God while we are being entertained. That is not something that is like, that's, those aren't mutually exclusive. You can have, you can go to a fun concert that is just meant for fun and that honor God at the same time. Um, this is different than corporately worshiping God. Those are also two different distinctions, but, um, you can honor God and enjoy him and bring him glory while having fun. Or you can just enjoy a good song while also deeply worshiping God. Those are all things that God has made us to do. So Ty- yeah, so that that would be like a song like Breakfast by the Newsboys or something. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Breakfast by the Newsboys is is I'd say very deep within type 2. Like you can look at that and say that is, this is obviously not meant for church. This is a song about eating breakfast at school and being glad that you're not going to hell when you die. <laughs> yes, it it's a great song, uh, though. Um, and even though, yeah, we may not sing it at church, still fun for um, you know singing on the radio or whatever. Yeah, and and. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's perfectly fine song. Uh, you could play it uh, for white noise during a youth group game as well. That would be perfectly fine as long as you're not playing it during the corporate worship during youth group. Um, but there's uh, you know there's other songs as well um, within this type too. They could be anywhere from you know a deeply personal worship like. Most of the songs that I write, I would consider them type two songs, but they're worship songs. But they're my worship. They're 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 songs that I write for God, and uh, and I process through things I'm going through as I'm writing them. I, I pro- it's I write a lot about repentance, and um, and about you know just struggling with uh, with sin and struggling with. Um, you know, with, with life, but, but resting fully in, in God and in his, um, sacrifice and in his love. And, um, and so those are things I write about these, my songs would not ever be meant or most of them, some of them could, but most of them would not be meant for, um, I would not work well in corporate worship setting, but when I'm just pouring my heart out to God, they, they work just fine. Um, and so they would be on the kind of worship end of the type two, whereas Breakfast Club would would is just a fun song. Um, I and then just also talking about like like let's say Lost the Plot. Lost the Plot is a much more uh, mentally engaging song. It still it wouldn't be one that you would sing in church, um, but it is where Breakfast Club is incredibly shallow. Uh, loss of plot dives really, really deep. And so you can have different types of songs within type two. Um, but the distinction between type two and type three would be um, in type three, you're not talking about God. You're not talking about even really spiritual matters. 
you're talking about life in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say most of Switchfoot falls into type three music. Uh, sure. they, they absolutely have some type two music, some type two songs. Um, but a lot of their songs fall into this type three. Um, I would actually go as far as to say that hard love that we talked about in episode four is a type three song um, mm-hmm. or in, in function and like how it actually functions. It's a type three song. Uh, they may have meant it to be a type two song, but it functions as a type three song. I know well, that. I'll... So yeah, that's like what I guess I was trying to get at earlier. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about like the artist's intention? Is that important? Or is it more important to say how it actually is used in general as yeah. measured by some other something? And, and, uh, I would like to point out at this point that this is a completely original distinction. This is uh, just something I came up with really for this, for this podcast. And it is subject to change as I process through it. But, um, Oh, that's fair. But I would say intention is important, but functionality is also important. And we just kind of need to make the distinctions as we go through the songs. And the reason why this list is important as well is to as we listen through songs as we place songs into these lists then the uh, the qualifying questions that we ask as we're vetting them will change and so the the list of the six categories of song of, of questions to ask um, those questions will change depending on which list you're you're placing the song into and uh, and so song type one songs like if i'm wanting to ask is this song okay for church then i'm going to be very strict in uh, in how i vet the song but if i'm thinking is this song okay for me to play on the radio while my kid is in the car with me i'm going to be a lot more loose on on those on those questions and so um if i place a song in type two or even type three then I'm going to vet the song very differently. If you place the same song as a type one, um, then you will need to then judge that song a lot more strict. And it may help you to say, you know, that I don't think this song is good for church if you're considering it. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. Um, I think anyway, I'll, I'll keep asking questions to sure. sharpen my distinctions uh, as we go. How about that? That sounds that sounds great. And so, um, so type three song, most of Switchfoot. Like uh, I, I mentioned in a previous episode, that Dare You to Move is a great song. And when you are looking at that song from the Christian worldview, it means something different than if you're looking through that song from a secular worldview. Um, just on the surface level, if you if you completely ignore Christianity, it's just a song. It's it's a good like graduation song, you know. Welcome to real life. I dare you to move. I dare you to, to pick yourself up off the floor. You know, it's just telling you. Um, it's just trying to encourage you to get out and do something with your life. If you're just looking at it from a really superficial perspective, but when you look at it from the Christian worldview, he's telling you you know, you have so much more to live for. 
you, you weren't meant to just sit at home and do nothing. You weren't meant to, to even live your best life. Now you were meant to, to do something, uh, to, to get up and to move and to, and to, and to live in a world that is completely against you, but you are still, uh, you're still meant to do so much more. And I'm also, as, as I'm saying this, that also works mm-hmm. for meant to live. Uh, you were meant to live for so much more. Those two songs really go hand in hand together. Uh, and since we are meant for so much more, that gives us the strength to get up and to live for Jesus. And so when you're list, uh, when you look at those two songs from the Christian perspective together, uh, it tells a really good message, but you have to look at it through the lens to get that message. And uh, there are other songs that you can infer stuff into that wasn't meant to be there. Like you can look at a secular song and be like, man, if I, if you look at this through the Christian worldview, it means so much more. And so I do want to warn you against doing that just as an exercise. Switchfoot is an openly Christian band. They are writing these songs from the Christian worldview. And so you can place a Christian worldview on these songs because they, as a band, have said, please look at these songs through the Christian worldview. Um, so that is also another distinction to make. Um, I wouldn't suggest that you look at an Imagine Dragon song and try to look at it from the Christian worldview to get a message from Jesus because, this- because it's not there. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, so is this where people might try to pull the Imagine Dragons song and try to find the gospel in, you know, such and such song or whatever? Exactly. You know, in a, or like, hey, let's look at another example. Let's look at Beyonce. You can't look at Beyonce's music and try to find what Jesus' message is. It doesn't work because Jesus' message isn't in a Beyonce song. And so if you're going to have a church service where all you sing is Beyonce, you're not going to honor Jesus because he's not there. And uh, so that's an important distinction. So what you're saying is the Beyonce mass is not actually a church service. Well, or more specifically, a worship service. Correct. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I can get on board with that. And so if you were to have a worship, a quote unquote worship service. Um, I'm not even gonna say worship service. If you're gonna have a church service where you like a special event where you analyze different switchfoot songs, you sing different switchfoot songs in order to, to glorify God, you can be a lot more successful doing that because Jesus is in those songs, even if not by name. Um, and it's also a really important distinction when you're looking at Switchfoot as a type three song versus a type one song that doesn't mention Jesus. So, you know, we talked, we, we've talked about several different songs, but like Oceans, Oceans doesn't mention Jesus. Oceans by Hillsong. It mentions you, 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 you. And then in the bridge, it switches to spirit, spirit lead me. Um, so yes, God is present in that song, uh, by inference. But when you're looking at a song specifically meant for Christian worship, that doesn't mention Christ in it. That's a, I have a much bigger issue with that than a song that is literally meant 
for to as an entertainment song for the world that doesn't mention Jesus, even though if it you can see Jesus working in the in the midst of the song uh, through inference. And so that's why it's important to be able to classify the, the songs because the rules are a little bit different. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes and, sense, man. Yeah. And so, so types one, two, and three are the songs written by Christians. Um, type one is meant to, uh, is meant for congregational worship. And so, uh, so it's, but for a Christian is writing it for other Christians to worship God and to honor God specifically type two is a song written by a Christian meant for Christians to enjoy. Um, I think of like casting crowns and mercy me, um, you know, they are bands that like their songs aren't really meant for church. They get sung in church sometimes, especially as like specials, but they're meant to just, you know, be fun, entertaining songs with a very strong Christian message. You get other bands like Reliant K, uh, where they have still have a really strong Christian message, but it's they're a lot more fun. Like the songs are uh, really meant for like the live experience as well. Um, and then you get, um, you know, there's other bands like like Need to Breathe fits more into like the Reliant K area of songs but i know that a lot of their songs try to get forced into the church worship service um i know a lot of their songs get played in church but they really shouldn't be so they are type two songs sometimes even type three songs that um try to get pigeonholed into like a fun type one song and uh you know i mentioned that you can have fun while worshiping god the purpose of a church service isn't to have fun. And I, and I want to make that distinction as well, that the purpose of a church service is to come together as a body to pay honor to the God that created them and that saved them from their sin. And that should leave, that should begin and end with humility and not with, I want to have fun. And so that's, that's a, that's a pet peeve of mine. Uh, right. Yeah. The, it's not about you. It's about God. Um, right. We aren't worshiping anyone but God. Uh, and if you hold to the regulative principle, you would say that only what is commanded in Scripture ought to be brought before God because that is what God has commanded. Right. And, you know, God commanded the tabernacle, God gave very strict instructions on how to build a tabernacle they he he called on uh specific people by name who could construct it but he didn't give them the freedom to do what they wanted with it he gave them very very strict instructions and they and they followed it to a t and uh we when we write songs we need to, to follow the instructions we need to to write the songs in the way that God wants us to write them. And, uh, and that's why the, the Psalms are important. Um, and so that's, you know, when we're talking about type one songs, those songs need to follow the guidelines type three songs. They don't need to follow the guidelines because the purpose is different. The intention is different. Um, 
Anyway, I, w- I wanted to talk about uh, tight one, two, and three songs together before moving on to four and five. Um, when I kind of like try to picture how these songs work together, I think of like three giant circles that are all tangent in a line. Um, all right. Yeah, so, like a Venn diagram kind of thing, or what? Not, not, not a Venn diagram. Like they're not intersecting, but they're just okay. all just one after the other. Okay. And so type one, type two, type three. Uh-huh. So then you look at type one and type, or you look at type two especially. And so the the epicenter of type two has been shifting toward the epicenter of type one. And so now think of a Venn diagram. Um, and so I think with the intention and how things should be, these three areas should be separate. Songs mm-hmm. should be written either for the church or for Christian entertainment or for um, universal entertainment. Those are three mm-hmm. intentions of how things should be. If something is meant to be entertainment, then it shouldn't necessarily work in the church. Um and this can be not necessarily by the uh, content of the lyrics, but also how the song is performed. You know, if a song is performed like a an alternative rock song, I don't think that that should be intended for church worship. That's just a personal. Um, that's just a personal preference. There are churches that I know worship well uh, using those songs, but I think that is one of the that is a distinction that is not made a lot of times that becomes confusing. Um, and so if your church plays alternative rock style songs that have strong, strong lyrics, it's really easy to then play a song that is an alternative rock song that is meant for entertainment. It sounds the same, but the lyrics are very different. That's how you get songs like priceless being played in a worship service because it sounds like your other songs here that you're that you're playing even though that one would really be almost like a type three song uh, it's a song two brothers wrote to their sister for because they love her so um so one question about all that right sure a lot of the churches you're talking about are not holding to the regulative principle they right by action show that they hold to a normative principle. So does, does that change anything if you come at it from that point of view? And that's where things get tricky because I don't want this podcast to only be helpful to people who affirm the regular principle of worship. I, I, I want to try to reach people who don't to try to convince them that they should. There you Uh, go. And so, uh, yeah, the, like all of my perspective, I'm coming at this from someone who affirms the regular principle of worship. I also affirm Reformed theology. I am very wary of charismatic theology. Uh, these are different. These are all things that shape how I'm designing all of this. But I'm trying to design this as well to to make sense to people who do think a little bit differently than me. And I think these are universal truths and not just... Um, not just ideas that fit into what I believe, though that is what is shaping them. And uh, and so these are, as I said, these are just still my ideas. These are still things that are subject to change. Uh, 
but that is an opinion. And when I do have an opinion, I want to try to, to, to say it's a, it's an opinion. Um, so those three types, either meant for church, meant for Christian entertainment, meant for universal entertainment, the shift of type two toward the type one is doing two things. One, it is creating this Venn diagram where the intersection is songs meant for both entertainment and for congregational worship, of which there are a lot of songs out there right now that, that fall into this type 1.5, <clears throat> where um, it's hard to tell what the original intention was. And since it's hard to tell what the original intention is, that makes it difficult to place it. It also makes it difficult to analyze. It makes it difficult to know, am I using my more strict version of the six uh, question sets or am I, um, am I able to relax a little bit because of it's meant for entertainment? So here's what I want to press you on when it comes to sure. stuff like that. That's why I keep coming back around to, is it really the original intention that matters or is it really how it's being used? Because if it's how it's being used, it would be perfectly reasonable to mm -hmm. say uh, this song was used in worship. This song was not, it, it, and since it was used in worship, then we evaluate it as a type one song, regardless of what its intention was. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, you go if, ahead. well, what that means then is that you are free to criticize it as a, and hold it to type one standards, even if it was written as a type two song. Right. But at and that point, you're maybe less criticizing the actual, uh, I, I guess this is what I'm really trying to do is I want to drive a wedge between who wrote the song mm -hmm. and the actual content of the song. Right. And, the people who perform the song and look at each of those three separately. Right. And, uh, and this is a very complicated issue for sure. And, oh, yeah. And I, I would say in a perfect world, um, the intention should be obvious based on the content. And, uh, and so I think, I think that a lot of songs are intended to be played in church first and foremost, but then they get played on the radio because that's what the radio is playing now. Um, and as a result, I think that a lot of people are trying to hit both markets. I've kind of talked about that in a previous episode where um, because radio is playing a lot of songs that you hear in church, a lot of people are trying to write for both and it's the mark of a successful song in today's day is uh if it can be played on the radio and in church and that's what the con that's like this is how the venn diagram is coming into existence when it becomes unclear just by listening to the content of the song what the intention is that's where we kind of see a problem and that's why the 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 six question sets is important is exactly what you're saying. If we can't tell what the intention is and we have to then place it into one of these categories and the question set helps us to judge if it is fit 
for um, for type one song or if it really should be relegated to a type two song. Uh, and so we don't live in a perfect world and we don't live in a world where people are affirming the regular principle of worship. And so we live in a world where people are just writing music and that's, uh, it's a, it's a problem. And it's a problem that I hope that some of these tools can, can help worship leaders and songwriters to, to help think critically through as they are continuing to write songs. Um, yeah, no. And that's, uh, that's just one of the many services we provide here at the Bowman Gilead. Podcast. Absolutely. And so, uh, just going back to kind of the Venn diagram between one and two, we're creating these songs that is, it is confusing. We don't know if it's meant for worship. We don't know if it's meant for entertainment. Um, and so it's forcing us to, to think through them more critically and to place them into these categories. Uh, but it's also doing a second thing. It's creating a distance between type two and type three. Um, and that's one of the things I wanted to talk about a lot as well is since uh, fewer and fewer songs are being written like um, like Breakfast Club, you know, at least that are making it to the radio. You know, Breakfast Club wouldn't make it to the radio these days because it's just a goofy song about. And that's a shame. Caleb, are shame. you listening? Yes. No, it, it is, it is absolutely back. a shame. Um you know, I can't remember the last time that I heard a Reliant K song on the radio. Oh, um, sunny with the high 75. 75. Yeah. And so, uh, and that album mm-hmm, was an incredible album. It was, mm-hmm. it was silly, but it was also mm-hmm. artful. Like mm-hmm. there were some really, really interesting decisions that they made. And, mm-hmm. and it was a fantastic album. If you've never listened to mm-hmm by Reliant K, shame on you. Go listen to mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, absolutely <laughs> and uh and count how many different songs use the line took my heavy heart and made it light because it's more than one um but anyway like they the radio isn't playing songs that are just meant for entertainment anymore like not really and songs aren't really being written just for entertainment anymore and and it's becoming this kind of convoluted mess of every song is written to God, whether it is a proper worship song or not. And there's, and there's nothing wrong with writing a song to God. If you're going to follow the Psalm model and if you're going to, uh, to really ask God first and foremost, how do you want to be worshiped? And, uh, and so we're getting fewer and fewer songs that are just meant for Christian entertainment. And, um, which is a real shame because there are some, clever clever songwriters out there i feel yeah so i guess what we're saying is bring back 90s ccm bring back 90s ccm and then we can trivia it and and uh it'd be fun (laughs) um but what it also has kind of created is the market for type three music especially since since old type two music you know is kind of going away type three music there's no market for it anymore um it's you know the the christian radio stations they're they're not playing any song that doesn't feel christian unless let's need to breathe um (laughs) yeah 
but tell me how you really feel. I know, but but hard love felt like a spiritual song, whereas a lot of the songs on on uh, Switchfoot's eleventh album don't feel spiritual. They they don't feel like a, a Christian song because they're not using the language that Christian songs use. They're not using. They don't talk about fear. You know, they don't talk about brokenness or or things that they're not using the buzzwords. And so they don't get picked up on the radar. Um, but the truth is a lot of the songs are deeper and a lot more true than songs that are on the radio. But because of that truth, because of that, like almost philosophical nature of the song, um, and because of the reputation of the band, they're not getting play on secular radio stations either. I think the last switchfoot song I heard on a secular radio station was dare you to move. Which is an it's old been a, song. Been a few years. Been a few years. That was my senior class song. What? That, really? In, two, in 2004, that was our senior Did class song. you go song. to a public school or a Christian school? I went to a Christian school. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, I did too. But I'm sure that there were still a lot of public schools that considered it because of the song at the time. Um, Walk to Remember had come out not too long before then. And so Switchfoot was, that was like the height of their popularity so it's been it's been a while since they were considered a popular band but um i know that oh man i know that air one was playing uh songs off of their 10th album their 10th album is called where the light shines through and um uh, their their big song on that or like their first single they released for that album was uh live it well um mm-hmm. and uh, there's a another at least another song off of that album that I remember hearing on Air One. That was their first single they released. Um, and I don't, I haven't, I wasn't listening to the St. Louis station Joy FM during that time. I don't know if they played any Switchfoot, and I don't know if Air One is playing anything off of Switchfoot's eleventh album right now. Um, but Joy FM is not. Um. But when that album came out, uh, we looked up if they were going to be touring anywhere close. And uh, they were coming to St. Louis shortly after. So um, my wife and I, we decided to get tickets to that concert. It was the eighth time that I saw them in concert. I've seen Switchfoot eight times. We mentioned before that I'm a super fan, but uh, I also super fan officially have some of their song lyrics tattooed to my arm. So... Uh, You've seen the picture. Yeah. As of just, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. So it's yeah. Hallelujah, Nevertheless. It's on my arm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, uh, so we were excited for that concert. We had never heard of the opening band. It was uh, called Colony House. If you don't know anything about that band, then this story will be fun. If you do know anything about the band, then you already know the story. But... Um, <laughs> So I, I had never heard of them. I, I had actually seen one of their music videos once. I'm pretty sure someone on Slack has actually uh, posted it. And this is a year or so ago. I watched it. I thought it was interesting, but paid it no mind. Um, didn't know anything about the band. Didn't do any research after that. But um, listen, they, they were the opening band and they were amazing. They were just absolutely incredible. They they began the show just like full on, and they they were amazing performers. Their songs were 
really, really interesting lyrically. Um, and I became an instant fan. I actually bought both of their albums at the concert. Um, and, uh, they, they mentioned, uh, they mentioned at the concert that their, um, that their parents were there watching and they were, you know, they're like, hi mom, hi dad kind of thing. Uh, two of them are brothers. So it's a, there's four guys in the band, two of them are brothers. And so, uh, their parents were there at the concert. They talked about how their dad introduced them to Switchfoot when they were really young and they thought it was cool. They thought about covering one of Switchfoot's songs, but then thought that was probably not good to do to cover the headlining band. Uh, <laughs> they don't like you to do that. Strange. Probably not. They they actually said that they contacted Switchfoot and asked permission, <laughs> but decided <laughs> yeah, but decided yeah. not to. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, after the concert, I, I went like I just read through all their song lyrics. They were really clean, um, and uh, that was one big thing because I don't want to play music that's not clean for my kids. Um, just started doing more research into it. Found out that they're that they were believers, and which was which was really cool. I was like, uh, you know that that so they were writing type three music as opposed to type four music. You know, they were believers writing for Universal Entertainment. Turns out that their dad uh, wrote a song that starts off like this. It goes, saddle up your horses. No. Their dad is Stephen Curtis Chapman. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so that blew my mind. Uh, so Stephen Curtis Chapman was in the same building as I was, and I didn't even know it. Oh, man. Missed opportunity there. Not that it wasn't necessarily a missed opportunity. The only opportunity was knowing I was in the room with him because I wasn't going to be able to find him. But um, no, so that was really cool. So uh, so these two bands, Colony House and Switchfoot, are both uh, bands of believers that are writing music uni- for Universal Entertainment. Um, the point of this story is the local creation station didn't talk about it at all. They didn't promote the concert. They didn't mention it even once. And uh, there was a DJ from one of the the mainstream uh, radio stations that kind of came and gave an introduction before the concert, um, which I doubt that that radio station plays either of those songs other than maybe Dare You to Move, which, as I mentioned, was my senior class song in 2004. Um <laughs> And so there's no market for, for this music, except for me. I am their market. Um, you know, I, I became an instant fan of Colony House and uh, will purchase every one of their albums that they release subsequently because well, it's just good. Mark your calendar, March 10, 2020, the old rock house, St. Louis, Missouri. Nice. Right by Bush Stadium there. You're going to have to go. I will have to go. Um, yeah, I haven't even looked up what their concert dates are. I just know that Switchfoot recently came, went to Memphis, Tennessee and, uh, we were, we were sorely debating whether or not we should go, but things were, things were tough, but, um, sure, man, they sure. just, they, they're, they're, their concert series that they're doing right now that they're playing old songs. Like they're doing a concert specifically for songs that they never play in concert. So like, they're uh, not not their hits, but they're uh, 
just their fan favorites. Uh huh. And I really want to go see them play a fan favorite concert, but no, <laughs> uh, not in the cards. But um, so so these these songs, these bands, you know, you've never heard of you've never heard of Colony House. I'm I'm just telling you about them now. But yeah. it's, it's a shame because they are so good. They are probably one of the best bands of uh that's out right now of, of their age and just their the quality of their music was incredible um the their influence like you can just tell that they're influenced by the greats like there's a moment in one of their songs um their song is called um uh you and i and uh-huh. there, there's a moment I, when we get off you need, you need to listen to this song you need to look I've- at the Got it pulled up. It's number five according to of their songs according to Spotify. Yeah, and so uh, so this is the music video that that I'd seen previously. Um, there's a moment in it where it's like you can just tell that they were channeling their inner Freddie Mercury. Um, there's another song that they have um, where they're like trying to channel their inner Beach Boys. Like it's just. Uh, they're just fantastic at, at at the craft because they were fed on the greats because their dad was Steve Chris Chapman. I'm sure he, I'm sure they're listening to music 24 seven in their house, but um, it's just a shame that they don't have a market that Christians don't know who they are because they don't play quote unquote Christian music, but mainstream art or mainstream people don't want to listen to them if they, discover that they are Christians. And so it's, uh, so they just get kind of pigeonholed into this, uh, indie group. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's a shame. And so that's one of the things I wanted to talk about is the way that 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 music is heading with the type two music heading closer and closer to type one music. It's just alienating type three music. And, uh, yeah. So one, one more thing about Switchfoot before I move on to type four music. Switchfoot this past summer, so six months ago, played. Uh, they they toured in Europe, opening for for John Bon Jovi. No way. Yeah. Really? Yeah, for, for Bon Jovi's European tour. So. That's. That's like finally. Making good on this dream of kind of like Christians taking I, I don't know <laughs> taking over kind of thing i don't know did it ever feel like that to you growing up in the christian bubble like yeah. one day people are going to realize how genius this music is and it's like that just made it all worthwhile right there well i, I would say this growing up in the christian bubble it would be the opposite it's like oh wait switchfoot they're opening for bon jovi those sellouts <laughs> Depends on your point of view, They've, sir. They have they have walked away from the faith. That was <laughs> that was the bubble I was I was growing up in. So um, yeah, when jars so of, when jars of clay, is, uh, you were more pre mill and I was more post mill. Uh, yes, absolutely. Not when when jars of clay had their songs split on MTV. Oh man, oh <laughs> man. Um, <laughs> like, oh, I can't listen to those guys anymore. They were on MTV. Yeah. 
that was no i'm serious though that was that was the that was what i grew up with but um yeah moving on uh, those those three categories one two and three those are the what i would call like the sacred music you know it's, it's music that is coming from the christian worldview it's music that it's containing truth it is music that is striving to represent christianity either uh for variety of of, of reasons uh the next two categories would be considered secular so sacred and secular uh music um type four has a, a pretty wide variety of, of music um as, as as i mentioned before you can subdivide this to infinity but uh there is an important distinction between four and five uh the type four music is music that i i'm calling um very it's like neighboring worldview to christianity it's, it's asking the same questions that christianity asks it's when when christianity says you know why is the world the way it is why are things messed up you know why why am i broken you know you know these these questions that that christianity asks and answers with you know we are broken because of sin and and uh christ came to to fix us you know christ came to die so that we could be his so that we could uh, be made new um the you know the world is asking the same questions you know the world realizes that things are broken they know that that things are messed up they know that we need to be fixed you know that they know all this but you know they don't know the answer and so a lot of music a lot of secular music falls into this category of i'm asking all the questions i'm asking the right questions even but i don't have the answers and i might be even giving the wrong answers um there, there's two songs i wanted to highlight i, I mentioned earlier that uh I was on a really big um, Lumineers and Imagine Dragons kick a few years ago. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a song by Imagine Dragons called Demons that I think mm-hmm. really, really, really encapsulates this, this idea of I know something is wrong. Um, I, I know it to the point where I'm warning you that that you don't need to fall in love with me because I'm messed up. And, uh, and that's kind of how the song goes, you know, in a, or you don't need to get close to me because I'm just going to hurt you because I messed up. Uh, there's even a line that says, you know, I I'm hellbound. you know, it's, I, I'm even acknowledging to the point where I realize that because I'm a sinner, I'm going to hell when I die. And it's this hopeless song. Um, it's beautiful. And it's the, the lyrics are great and he's asking all the right questions and he's just like so close to the truth, but he's, he's rejected it. And, uh, and I think that that type of music is, is good and important to listen to so that we can hear what the world is saying. We can hear that the world is struggling and we can have empathy for the world and that we can, um, we can, it can encourage us to go out and, and share the truth of the gospel. Uh, the song like that, that for me and my wife anyway, is 
uh, the very famous song, Hallelujah, uh-huh. you know? Oh, yeah. Leonard Cohen. And it's just so, yeah, oh, yeah. And it's just so broken. And mm-hmm. But he just comes to all the wrong answers. And it's just heartbreaking. Like, my wife can't even listen to that song anymore. Just yeah. Because it makes her cry, but not for the reason that it makes a lot of other people cry. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's more like, uh, you can kind of see it. Oh, yeah. But you have no idea what the answer is. And you have no idea what, how to even truly think about it and to truly see it. And that's that's really what hurts. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, and um, there's a Lumineer song called Cleopatra. Um, it's a narrative song, narrative driven. It's the story is about, it's actually a true story, uh, that they did research on, but there's this lady in Russia who, um, who is in love with this guy and, um, he was kind of, I don't know if he's interested or not, but, um, her, her dad dies. And on the day of the funeral, it rains and she is at her house. She's just mourning. And this, this guy that she loves walks in, he's got muddy foot, uh, muddy shoes, walks to her room, asks her to marry him. And she says no, because she's mourning. It's like, this is not the right time, dude. So he leaves and she never sees him again. And, uh, she ends up growing old uh, in this house. Um, she never cleans the carpet. So she keeps the muddy footprints on the carpet as a reminder her whole life. She eventually moves to America. Um, at some point in her life, she was an actress where she played Cleopatra. And uh, and that was like her glory days that she clings to. Um, but her life is a wreck. She... Uh, tries religion, but it doesn't work. And um, she kind of blames God for her failures in life. And eventually she grows old and um, is alone. And that's the song. Like, it's just, it's a super depressing song, but it's written beautifully. Um, and, uh, And she just, there's just no hope in the song. And, and, and like you said, those songs, they make you cry as Christians through the Christian worldview. They make you cry because of the lack of hope. But that's how the world is without Jesus. They're just, they're lost without hope. And we need to be reminded of that because when we live in our Christian bubbles, we forget that there's a lost world out there for us to go and evangelize. Um and, uh, and so songs like that, that are just so close, that lack the hope, I think we as Christians need to be listening to those and need to be enjoying them and analyzing them and being reminded daily of the, uh, that there is hope for the lost world. They just don't know it yet. Yeah. And uh, so, so type four music, I would say that this also, like the other side of type four, would be, um, would be songs like most of what Ed Sheeran writes, 
I'm I'm going to ignore his clubbing song for a second, but um, like you look perfect. I think is the name of one of his songs. It's a song that's just a it's a sweet sappy love song. Um, that is just that's all it is. Is he is talking to his woman and he is just saying I love you and that um, she looks perfect and it is a sweet song and it and it also reminds us that the world can experience love and that when they do experience love genuine love faithful love they are reflecting God because they are image bearers just like we who are saved are image bearers lost people are also image bearers of God and sometimes that image shows through in songs uh, in songs like that whether that song is written well or not you can you can disagree with me on that i think it's a sweet love song uh, i saw a meme once where someone went to the store and found a pack of uh, processed cheese and it said 10 cheesy singles on it and someone said hey i found ed sheeran's <laughs> new album um sure but you know songs like that on, on that end of the spectrum you know um even like say elvis presley you know um his uh his song i can't help falling in love with you i love that song that's probably my favorite elvis song uh just a sweet love song sweet love songs reflect god uh in, in a way that a lot of christian music doesn't because the christian music might try to force something that isn't there whereas a sweet love song written not from the christian worldview is going to be more genuine in a lot of ways and so so type four songs they can have have that range and i would say that christians should enjoy type four songs we need to be careful that we're not listening to type five songs which i'm about to get into but um but type four songs are um they're good songs they reflect god they they can show a world with no hope and that should and that should encourage us to go out and uh and witness as much as we can um but we should also acknowledge that the world does long for uh salvation even if they don't realize it that that's what they're longing for um type five music is kind of the it's it's the type of music that fundamentalists look at and say see that's why you don't need to listen to rock and roll music because it just leads you to to hell in a handbasket um it's it's the the worst of type five music is going to be the, the worst of, of music in general um and i'd say two broad categories within type five one is going to be music that paints an unrealistic picture of the world like that just completely ignores all of the right questions that that just kind of lives in a fantasy land where things are uh that the kind of lives in denial where it's like my life is great even though it isn't because it can't be without christ and then the other type of music is music that acknowledges christianity and just outright rejects it outright says this is stupid and i'm going to live my life my way because that's what i'm going to do um one such song is uh uh bruno mars bruno mars song called locked out of heaven 
And I'm not going to put this one on the Spotify playlist for two reasons. One, I I don't want to encourage you to go and listen to it because I, it's it's a terrible song. Uh, and two, I don't really want him to get any plays from uh, from this. So, uh, but there's a, a line in the song where he is describing an act that the Bible declares as sin. So the Bible says, this is sin. And Bruno Mars is declaring that same act as salvific, using religious language. Um, and so I'll just quote the line. It's a, There's not any profanity in it, but you can skip ahead 15 seconds if you feel uncomfortable with some words. But um, he says... Um, your sex brings me to paradise and I've been locked out of heaven for so long. And so, uh, so that line, what it is saying is, you know, I have, I, I need salvation and where I'm finding this salvation is in this act that the Bible says is wrong. He's clearly talking about extramarital relations in the song. So, so that is a, that is a type five song. Um, and there are other songs as well that just kind of ignore, uh, ignore things. Bands like, you know, like nine inch nails and Marilyn Manson as well. They're going to be well within this type five music just because of how they, uh, how they treat the world, how they treat Christianity. Um, they openly reject it. So those would be, th- those are just some examples. Old Kanye West. Old Kanye West, probably. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have never listened to any Ty Dolla Sign, but, um, I believe it was um, Shy Lin who described him as um, his lyrics are so foul that that even people that even people that basically just use the f word all the time will still turn him off because he's too offensive. Um, so I don't, I've never listened to him, so I don't know. But yeah, that's that's pretty. That'd be pretty bad. Well, I think it's pretty clear then that song five pretty much off limits just because it, it is so contradictory to a Christian worldview and it does not bring any glory to Christ. It does not uh, help us glorify God in any way uh, or in, it, there, there's just nothing redeeming about that. There's nothing right. that's truthful or building up. Um it's yeah. not lovely or I'm trying to think of like, you know, all the things that, that we're we should supposed be to thinking think about. Of. Yeah. And, and that isn't to say that bands that primarily write type five songs can't write a type four song every once in a while, or that you can't take a type five song and turn it into a type four or even a type three song. Um, I want to, I want to talk about um, one of the last songs that Johnny Cash ever recorded was a cover of a Nine Inch Nails song. Um, and it 
It is so beautiful. So the, the timeline, I believe, of all of this was that uh, he either June died and then he recorded this song or he recorded the song, June died, and then he recorded the video and then he died. So this was like very end of his life. I know a lot of it involves June passing during the process of this song, but um, the song's called Hurt. He changes one word, at least one word that I'm aware of, where uh, Nine Inch Nails had a um, drop to the S-bomb, and he changed that word to uh, to uh, thorns. It was, uh, Nine Inch Nails says, I wear this crown of poop, and he changed it to I wear this crown of thorns. And uh, kept the same kind of connotation but using the thorns imagery actually really opened it into the christian worldview and uh, when you listen to the song it just it changes the meaning of the entire song <clears throat> and so uh, i think only only johnny cash could do that uh people only took the song seriously because it was johnny cash but he took this song that was really about complete hopelessness and complete and utter despair and turned it into a song of mourning, but a song of mourning not like those who have no hope. And so, uh, yeah, it was it was beautiful what, what Johnny Cash did with that song. And now it's his number one song according to Spotify. Yeah, apparently. Have you ever, have you ever seen the music video? Uh I don't believe so. All right. We are gonna definitely gonna link it to the show notes because it is already on it it is one of the most powerful music videos i've ever seen cool so that is a you know that's an an in-depth view of uh, those five types of songs my voice is definitely going away i have chugged (laughs) my entire 32 ounces of water all in this one session yeah yeah man you're much better at that than I am. I am still working through my 24 ounce bottle of water. Yep. And so, uh, so I'm out of water. So my voice is just going to go downhill from here. So that's <laughs> probably a good indication that, uh, that we should, uh, wrap this up. I did want to say one more thing and we are going to actually go to a bi-weekly release schedule, uh, with all of our bonus episodes and, specials we became a weekly podcast for a little bit there but we will be going (laughs) we assure you that this is not the uh, intention of the balm and gilead so unless something (laughs) unless something major happens in the next week uh we do not plan to release an episode next week uh and also pretty much as most of the news from here on out is going to be highly political i don't know how much how much is actually gonna come up nothing can really top kanye so <laughs> yeah but if beyonce suddenly has this 180 uh we'll be there to cover it in full wall to wall man if beyonce were to have a 180 what would happen to beyonce mass um i would hope that they'd start at least singing the new song 
Can you imagine? Oh my goodness, that'd be amazing. <laughs> that I, I think that would defeat the purpose of Beyonce Mass. But uh, <laughs> I do have to say that uh, all creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. There is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sin sick soul. Never feel discouraged. Jesus is your listening to the Balming Gilead podcast. We love hearing from you, so email us at thereis at balmcast.com. We are a part of the Tech Reformation family of podcasts, and you can discuss our show and much more at slack.techreformation.com. We'll see you there. If you enjoyed the Balming Gilead podcast, please encourage others to listen. We value your feedback So rate, review, and recommend the show in your podcast app of choice. And with that, we'll see you next time on the Balm in Gilead podcast.